the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Glad you're here with us tonight for the Bible Live. We are continuing our way, Jacob and I, along with you, through, let me see, through the book of 2 Kings, right, Jacob? That's um, that's where we find ourselves this evening. We're, we are we're, we're, in But the we have been days. roaming quite loosely through these books. We've... Um, We've kind of gotten off target a couple of times, but I think we're in chapters 12 through 25 tonight in the second in the book of Second Kings. Uh, remembering, of course, always that First and Second Kings were written originally written as one book, one history together, uh, separated, if I remember correctly, at the time of the translation from uh, Hebrew into Greek, it seems like. If if I remember correctly, that was the occasion when they were separated into two separate books. And it was a question of, uh, I think it was a question of spacing. On, on They couldn't have a scroll that long or something, and so they had to divide it. Seems like it was a practical matter, uh, in the, uh, the division of the books. Both um, Chronicles, Kings, and Samuel, all of those were originally. Yeah, it was hard to check it out of the library and carry them both home. That was, a, <laughs> that was the problem. That was the problem. Well, listen, we're, uh, we're open to hearing your calls and your thoughts and your questions about all things biblical, about the scriptures tonight. Maybe you have a comment or a question about it. And uh, we want to, of course, make sure you know about the National Day of Prayer coming up. Uh, that, uh, oh, when is the, that? On uh, the... Uh, <laughs> I've been... I've been 
just got started kind of uh, making a promo in Spanish, so my brain just went to Spanish real quick. But it's the the, uh, 3rd of May, May the 3rd, Thursday, May 3rd, uh, on the steps of City Hall is our our major event of the day is a public gathering uh, for for believers all across the city and the area that would like to come down and uh, just join in a time of prayer for our families, for our city, for our, our nation, for our leaders, uh, for the things that are on our hearts for the, today. And was so was there ever a time? You, Sophie, who's not invited? Who's not invited? Well, hmm, uh, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody. Oh. Everybody is invited who would like to come and, and pray and seek the face of the Lord in favor of our families, our city, our nation, our leaders, the the, the way things are going in our community and in our culture and society today. So uh, uh, obviously there's a great need. There always is, I suppose, but it seems like uh, today we, we need unity. The theme of the National Day of Prayer this year, Jacob, is unity. Uh, not conformity, but unity, uh, that we would come together. As you know, people talk all the time now about the divisions, uh, the many divisions in the country that we're being taken apart by what do they call identity, different identities, political identities, and by different culture groups and, uh, and so on, ethnic groups. It seems like everything is intended to take us apart and pit us one one group against another. And yet in the midst of that, I, I think at least, at the very least, the people of God should be a great example of being able to come together praying for each other, caring about each other. Uh, maybe there are differences in the way we um, the way we worship, the, the styles, the different, some of the things that we might believe. But at the core, there's our devotion to God himself, our trust in him to lead our nation and uh, to heal us as a society. We have a lot of problems in, in a lot of wickedness, a lot of terrible things taking place in our society, uh, a lot of tragedies, and we need to present them and lift them to the Father and uh, ask him to to sovereignly rule and guide us back to himself. So that's that's what the day of National Day of Prayer is all about. It's not a political day. It's not a day that we um, just one group against another again. It's a time for all of us who uh, love God and are you know the people of God to come together with a uh, willingness to pray and seek the face of the Lord on behalf of our nation. So there you have it, the 3rd of May at, on the steps of City Hall at noon. It, uh, the pre-service music will begin at 1130. Some great music, choir and orchestra and a time of worship to God. And then we'll come be led by some of our cities, um, both spiritual and, and uh, uh, political and uh, just cultural leaders from different aspects of our society, uh, from our first uh, first responders, from uh, firemen and policemen and our military personnel and from uh, political leaders, our, our mayor and others, uh, just being led by prayer, in prayer, by different leaders from across our city uh, to uh, seek the face of the Lord. So that's May 3rd. So uh, don't forget that. Now let me see what else tonight. We're going to be talking about Second Kings. If you have any questions or thoughts or comments, uh, you can give us a call at 340-9585. And I know, I know what you're going to say. You do? 
Don't you have to put the area code in front of that? I was going to. I knew you were going to say that. 210 is our area code, 210-340-9585. You can join us. You can uh, tell us a little bit about your own walk uh, through the scriptures and your own experiences and also comment uh, perhaps on some of the uh, major aspects of Second Kings 12 through 25. And what are some of those major um, aspects of the book that we've, we've been looking at the reign of Solomon, who after David um, reign was completed, 40 years that he reigned, then we have uh, 40 years under Solomon, and then the nation divided. The ten northern tribes took a hike. They said under under Jeroboam, right? Rehoboam. Rehoboam. I get them. Who's counting? Who's counting? Is it? No, no, no. Under uh, Jeroboam, the uh, northern tribes. Jeroboam became the king of the ten northern tribes. That's what I just said. And that's why I was repeating that. Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon who took over. And just a hard-headed, stubborn guy, evidently. Well, actually, may I fill in a blank? Do fill in a blank. Okay. Here's what what really Fill in a blank check for me. Um, Solomon had actually put Jeroboam because he's a very achieving kind of guy. Really? Put him in charge of uh, collecting taxes. A high achiever, huh? A high achiever. And and things went, went south so he escaped and fled to egypt oh well now you're talking about jeroboam i am yes and uh, and but when rehoboam took over as king in place of his daddy solomon jeroboam returned with everybody to the big celebration and that's when they came and they said hey listen since your dad's dead and they've been taxing the grief out of us could we get a reduction on the taxes of course Rehoboam asked if he, his young advisors, what should I do? And the old wise ones. And, of course, he chose the young cock. That's interesting. The old wise ones said, yeah, cut the taxes. You relieve the pressure on the burden. Uh, but the new one said, no, you increase it. Make it even harder. You know, you got you to gotta take a stand said, here. said, uh, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. So I'm going to make more taxes. Well, immediately Jeroboam's have said with the ten tribes, well, we're out of here. We have nothing to do with the house of David. And they went over there and formed their own king. You have some questions about that. Which also, uh, yeah, we had some when it happened. Now we're past that. We, we're going oh, we are? Aren't we? Well, We're perhaps. into Ahab and, and, uh, and uh, well, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. We're into, actually, t- we come to the place where the northern tribes are actually carried away into exile. Carried away. And they're destroyed by the um, Assyrians. Yes. Carried away. They got carried away. Yeah, is that right. is that a, that's right, yeah. is that a good phrase? Carry, they, well, they were marched I, away, really. Yeah, they weren't it was, carried. It was a Pizza Hut kind of thing. Carry out. <laughs> You're on a roll tonight, I can tell. Actually, I did go to a, a Bible study this morning uh-huh. at a Christian place. Ah. And a, a friend of mine, who is also a college professor, was teaching it. Mm-hmm. And he did a fine job. And he was talking about sexual roles, and he brought you know, evidence in. And I was surprised he brought it in from Facebook, and it said there's like 56 different genders now. I mean, I didn't know that, but Facebook does, obviously. And so he's talking about that, and he said, so how does the modern churches deal with it? And this was in not the church, but in his mm-hmm. Bible study. Mm-hmm. And now, this thing, is uh, a college-level study, right? Yeah, uh, I, well, sure. Anybody can come, though. And he's uh, and he said, well, one is um, uh, capitulate, you know, give in. 
uh, or to uh, accommodate. And he said accommodation is generally where most of the churches are these days. And it occurred to me, under capitulate, you know, that's where you kind of give, give in. in. Uh-huh. Just admit that all the bad, the men are bad and the women are good. That's capitulation. And I thought about the, the books, the song books, that the churches use, the hymnals. So I thought about that, and I thought, you know, if you capitulate, you'll have to change it from hymnal to hernal. But but if you accommodate, you'll make it unisex and call it a urinal. And then all the preacher has to do is say, okay, everybody open up your urinal and sing. <laughs> That, that that that's good, uh, uh, Jacob. That's that's good. Uh, well, I I, I says fifty six genders. That's what he brought in, and I thought, wow, I didn't know there were that many. Boy, I tell you, this something is crazy. Something is. Something anyway, is so uh, how did we get off on? That? Oh, I don't know, but it's just maybe it's part of what it's part of what we see actually here in the book of Second Kings. It the, is the same the, kinds yeah, of go. things, yeah, yeah. craziness of lack of, and not only did Jeroboam politically lead the ten tribes off away from the house of David and, right, and right. away from that union that they had among the twelve tribes, but. Uh, Religiously, they formed their own priesthood. They stopped using the Levites. They put up two golden calves at the northern and southern end of the ten tribes. Uh, All of these things. I wonder if people back then thought, oh, man, what are we doing? This is crazy. Or or did they just go along? I guess this was a real civil war. It was a definite conflict and a division well, of the nation. Well, on more than one occasion, there was a Asa, there was a Hezekiah, and a couple other kings in the south actually opened up the borders and said, look, let's have peace for the Passover, invited people to come to the Passover. So there are times when, especially the Levites, and some of the tribes would right. come down. Yeah, but then Jeroboam, after they went down, he built a wall so they couldn't come back. That's right. He wouldn't let them back in. But the, the thing about uh, that put, that division, um, was this in some way predicted? Was it expected? This in in uh, whenever the, when the country did divide it, I think it was about 130, 140 years that they existed. And you mentioned these kings that tried to bring them together. I think Hezekiah was uh, one of those you mentioned. And f- frankly, at times. Their effort, their desire to bring the two together led them to accommodation, and it kind of opened the... it kind of opened the way for a, a terrible uh, occasion, a, a time of great danger for the nation under Ahab and uh, Jezebel. And then their daughter, Athaliah, became the ki- the queen of, of... Was that a united... It wasn't united under her, was it? But she um, became the queen of the Judah. King in the king in Judah had uh-huh. done the marriage to, uh, uh, to Je- uh, Jezebel. And then her descendant became, and how do you say it? Athaliah. Athaliah you say? Athalia. Athalia, okay. Uh, that's all right. Either way. Athalia is yeah. a prettier name, I think. It Athalia. is. It's like a flower. You know? uh-huh. But at any rate, but either one. So we got we got all this going on. The whole idea was to change the religion of Judah, and they were making some big inroads. That's sure. of course when Elijah came along and he had the combat at Mount Carmel. Right. Yeah. And well, we remember that Ahab, Jezebel in particular was the daughter of the high priest and the the main leader of Phoenicia, the mm-hmm. city of Tyre and, and Sidon in in the northeast. 
and of course their worship uh, I think that Baal was uh, a primary deity a false god that they worshipped and then they had child sacrifice and all of these rituals and so Ahab married Jezebel this queen and she brought in of course that that mode of worship uh, of false god and then their their daughter Athaliah or Athalia mm-hmm. uh, somehow politically became the oh and somehow not somehow there was a slaughter they killed all of the uh they killed all of the descendants of David. Yes. The, 17 of them, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yep. Killed all the males, and only one escaped. His name was um, um, Joash. Young Joash, King, young King right. Joash mm-hmm. was saved. Ironically, he was saved by Athaliah's aunt or her sister. I'm not sure which it was. She, her sister had married the high priest, the Levite, the the chief priest of of um, of Judah, and she saved the little Joash. She was isn't that interesting? How all of these things, in the midst of all this turmoil and all this difficulty, it it, uh, it, it sometimes turned out to be. Uh, I mean, these personalities. It just turned out who was following God and who wasn't. Who and was actually, following? Actually, that's one of your questions, number twenty-six. Is it? Yes. What does it say? It says, "During my reign over Israel, two hundred and fifty years before Josiah was born, a prophet predicted that a king named Josiah would destroy an altar that I had set up. Who am I? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it." That's astounding. And at the time of the rule, when jo- when Jeroboam first began his rule, there was an old prophet. We read about it in uh, First in First Kings chapter thirteen. This elderly prophet told by name. He said, "A king is going to rise up who will destroy this altar, this false altar uh, that you built here, and so on." That that is really one of the most amazing prophecies, along with the prophecies of Daniel. I, I, the prophecies in the in the scriptures. What uh, in the Jewish world, you believe all those predictions, all those prophecies, right? I mean, they are believed, generally speaking, or do some do and some don't. Oh, ab- absolutely. In fact, uh, there's several things in the Bible that actually are predicted and then take place, like the one you're talking about. There was a prediction, and it happened. And when you go down through all those, there's only two possible explanations. One is that it actually was predicted and actually took place as predicted, prophesied. Or it was prophesied, and then somebody wrote after the fact. Uh, one of the popular thoughts among secular folks these days is that things are written afterwards. It's sort of like they use the theory of the king riding through the forest. And he sees all these targets, and the arrows are dead center in the target. Do you know that story? No. Yeah. And he was riding through, and he said, man, that guy is a good archer. Whoever he is, I'm going to put him in my army. And then he sees this little 16-year-old boy with his with his uh, bow and arrow. And he says, hey, uh, how uh, are you the one shooting those arrows in the middle of the target? And the boy said, yeah. And he said, you must be a great archer. And he says, not really. I shoot an arrow into the tree, then I draw the target around it. (laughs) I like that. You surprised me with that ending. But that's what some people think about the scriptures. And yet, uh, honestly, quite honestly, if you you get serious about the study of these documents, um, 
that's that that is just simply impossible. The, the, both the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament, it would not have been. We can we can definitely prove not even using supernatural tools or faith. We use the very tools of historicity that historians use to put dates, to compare document with document, to to find out what was the history, what was the process that these uh, that these books were transmitted to us. And uh, it's very clear, some amazing, something supernatural did happen. That's one of the aspects of the scriptures that help us to know that it's not only reliable, that we can depend upon the scriptures, that they're accurate and correct, but that they are supernatural in source. Uh, So many prophecies, there actually, there are hundreds of prophecies uh, from large Movements and battles and and the rise and fall of empires, down to just simply the simple celebrations and the results of a certain battle or a certain uh, thing happening. Uh, there were there there were just lots of predictions and prophecies, and of course, uh, I think it's Samuel who talks about. Isn't that one of the distinctives of a true prophet? Isn't it in the book of Samuel, or was it back in Leviticus when Moses was talking no, about? It's in Deuteronomy. Okay, Deuteronomy. The the mark of a true prophet is that if they t- say something is going to happen, it will happen. If it doesn't, then they're not a, a true prophet of God. And so uh, we see that, that standard being kept here in the books of the, the kings. Uh, well, there's so many things we could talk about. Probably it wouldn't be good to get into the to each and every king. One thing you can do, uh, Jacob has made a table. He has produced a table, and in his coming book, there will be a table where you can track and trace the kings of Judah and Israel, along with the prophets that were uh, preaching and predicting at, at the time. They were exercising their ministry during the different times of these kings. And so you can get to know them. That's a... That's a good study for us and to help us think through the scriptures. Be a little tough for us to do it on the radio. But we do have some uh, questions, and I think we have some callers coming in to talk a little bit about perhaps this time of history in the in the um, the Jewish nation. Now, so we have the division of the kingdom that took place somewhere around uh, six hundred uh, BC. Somewhere I don't recall seven, the date. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. Uh, let me see. No, I'm trying to get these dates straight in my mind. It wouldn't be 586, 720. Oh, it'd be no. It'd be much later than it, it would be. Uh, back after the time of David, Solomon, and uh, Rehoboam began with Jeroboam, and then uh, in 722, Nineveh, the, the Assyrians captured and uh, uh, destroyed the city of Samaria, the capital city at that time, and um, took the peop- the ten t- northern tribes. And now these are called the lost tribes, right? Well, people call them the lost tribes, the missing tribes. And what's interesting is there are verses, even in Chronicles, that they did come back, or members of each one, but as a tribe per se, they may have not come back. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting. In the book of Acts, in the New Testament... They actually refer to the Messington tribe. Sure. And, and you've been telling us that, that that Jesus himself actually he did. a number of times refers to those ten tribes. He says the famous words that people, I think, are not catching on to. 
but that's my opinion. Of course, I am an expert in my opinion. That's right. And uh, he says, I have come to the lost sheep of Israel. He's referring to the ten tribes. And then when you read the book of James in the New Testament scriptures, he writes in the first couple of sentences, he says, this is to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. So that's, that's fascinating. So at that time, they still understood they were out there. But where are they? Mm-hmm. So, and uh, one of the requirements of the Messiah is that he brings, he must lead them back. Simply the ten tribes of the north, or, or all? He leads everybody back. The tribes. Uh-huh. Is that why in, in these past years we've seen uh, movements, and there are even among Christian believers, to help? to financially help people, uh, Jews, come back to Israel. I've noticed that seems to be a part of the um, the agenda of uh, of many believers from, from both sides, you know, Christian believers, he, Jewish believers, to help uh, Russian believers, Russian right, Jewish yeah. people and others come back to. Is that, would you think that might be part of that movement? Or Well, I don't know that's intentionally part of that movement, but I do know it's certainly a, an agenda, and it may be a, a part of the process without identifying it as that process. Uh-huh. What's called the International Jewish and Christian Federation, something like that? Something like that, I believe, yes. Do we have a caller? Did I miss well, a, Did uh, I miss a... He's got somebody on hold. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, but I, I don't know. He's signaling us. All right, all right. We'll we'll see about. It. John will make it clear to me in just a moment. Well, what do we ask tonight? What do we take off on? Well, what are some yeah, of the questions that? One of the interesting questions, and this comes up so often, because uh-huh. uh, I don't know if you put the questions together by yourself or you have. Uh, assistance. You know, I did this all by myself, believe it or not. It well, took a lot of years. I mean, it, it built up over the years. But the, well, the... perhaps we can build a little further. Okay. Uh, one of the interesting questions is, is ch- verse, I mean, number four uh-huh. goes along with verse 10. So it's really four and 10. Uh, four is, what is the final capital of Israel? Of the ten northern tribes, and the answer is in seventeen one Second Kings. Now the the first capital was, I believe, um, I'm trying to remember um, when when Samuel didn't Samuel and Eli weren't they headquartered there? Um, the first capital of the north. Uh, that was before, of course, the division. That was before the division. Yeah. Okay, um, but look at number okay. four. So it says, "What's the final capital?" The answer is in Second Kings seventeen one. Uh-huh. But that question ties in with your number ten. Uh, in times of in the times of Jesus, devout. Oh my! I know you're not going to like that question, are you? Well, uh, why do you think I picked it? I'll just read it out. In the times of Jesus, devout Jews hated. Uh, the people of Samaria, Samar- what are called Samaritans. That is a popular notion. I must have picked it up from somewhere, but uh, well, I'm sure you picked it up. I, I would disavow that today because of your instructions to well, yeah, me and your and guidance. You see how that ties into your question four. It certainly does. Because well, we'll come back and talk about it. Did in fact Jews hate well, the Samaritans? We can even check your scripture reference. We'll go and look at the background of that. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's our phone number, and we'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. To trust in Jesus is peace. Our Daily Bread. Today's encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional was written by Kayla Ochoa. Kayla writes, Grace is a very special lady. One word comes to mind when I think of her. Peace. The quiet and restful expression on her face has seldom changed in the six months I've known her, even though her husband was diagnosed with a rare disease and then hospitalized. When I asked Grace the secret of her peace, she said, It's not a secret. It's a person. It's Jesus in me. There's no other way I can explain the quietness I feel in the midst of this storm. The secret of peace is our relationship to Jesus Christ. He is our peace. When Jesus is our Savior and Lord, and as we become more like Him, peace becomes real. Things like sickness, financial difficulties, or danger may be present, but peace reassures us that God holds our lives in His hands, and we can trust that things will work together for good. Have we experienced this peace that goes beyond logic and understanding? Do we have the inner confidence that God is in control? My wish for all of us today echoes the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace. And may we feel this peace at all times and in every way. Sometimes we need a little extra motivation to spend time in God's Word each day. And now it couldn't be easier. With Our Daily Bread, download the mobile app for your Apple or Android device at getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. On her popular debut album, Invasion of Privacy, Cardi B is accompanied by artists such as Chance the Rapper, SZA, and Migos as she dives into attitude-drenched songs about fame and money, sex, and deceit. That's when they came for me on Twitter with the backlash. Cardi B is so problematic, it's the hashtag. The album explores some painfully poignant moments brought on by loss and betrayal. That said, it's also drenched with anger, violent threats, mountains of profanity, and enough vulgar and degrading sexual references that you might feel as if someone just invaded your privacy. So I'll give Invasion of Privacy a mere one-half point out of five for family friendliness. For the full review, visit PluggedIn.com radio. I'm Jake Roberson for Focus on the Families, Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com.
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right. You're all I need, Lord. You're all I need. My wife had a statement. I, I don't know if she made it up or she got it from someone else. I see. But some years ago, uh, my wife made a, a statement. She said, you know, sometimes you don't know the Lord is all you need until he's all you have. <laughs> and I, I, that's probably true. And that's maybe that's some of the reason we this, get into difficulties. That sounds like a rather embarrassing thing. So are you telling us that you had a fight with your wife? And, yeah. And she said, <laughs> and you know, all I, need is her. <laughs> I need the Lord right now. Oh, uh, no, that wasn't the situation. Oh, okay, but, I just want to correct that because I yeah, had that yeah. tone to it, you know. Sometimes we don't know he's uh, all we need until yeah. he's all we have. All I need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He is all I need. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we're back to this question of Samaria. Tell us the background of Samaria and yeah. the northern tribes, and why is it we have this idea it's rather pervasive across the it is Christian church. It is absolutely pervasive. I've been to I visited several Christian churches. Uh-huh. I even hear people on the radio talking. Preachers. You've been to almost as many Christian churches as I have. Well, I, I don't know about that, <laughs> uh, but I have had a large variety. Uh-huh. But they always this. Uh, you say it's pervasive. It's absolutely pervasive, and uh, I don't know why it comes because there's no place in the Bible that says that. In fact, if I may say. Number your question four and your question ten. Looking at question ten, it gives the answer as being Second Kings seventeen twenty nine. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's read seventeen twenty nine. What say you? Yes, in Second uh, Kings seventeen twenty nine. Let me get my Bible. Do you, you have my a Bible? Ah, oh, you brought it this time, huh? I did. Thank you very much for pointing that so out. So we should be looking because it says they didn't like him because they were mixed race. That's what the answer is here. So let's see if the 1729 says that. Second Kings chapter 17. Let me find it here. Uh, 29. Verse 29 at the bottom of this page. All right. Okay, I'm going to start a little bit ahead, sort of kind of get a we're, running we're start. In chapter 15? Uh, uh you're talking about Second Kings 17. 17, yeah. You verse, said you're going to start a little ahead. What, no, no, 15? not that far ahead. Okay. The king of Assyria then commanded, send one of the exiled priests back to Samaria. One of the exiled priests back to Samaria. Let him live there and teach the new residents the religious customs of the God of the land. And that would be, I suppose... Uh, the Jewish God, right? Yeah. Is that the idea? And so one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. But these now Now we're going to twenty nine. But these various groups of foreigners also continued to worship their own gods. In town after town where they lived, they placed their idols at the pagan shrines that the people of Samaria had built. Those from Babylon worshipped the idols of their gods Sukoth Benoth. Uh, those from Kutha worship worshipped their god Nergai Nergal, and those from Hamath worshipped Ashima. The uh, uh, the Avites worshipped their gods, Nihaz and Tartak, and the people from Sepharvaim even burned their own children as sacrifices to oh, their gods, wow. Adramalek and Ama, Anamalek. So, yeah, 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 okay. So the they went back to uh, the king of Assyria, transported the groups of people from from 
Samaria. That was one of, a common way that they treated the conquered lands, okay, right? Tell they me take, in those verses, mm-hmm. where does it say they didn't like them because of mixed race? Hmm. May I suggest that you're not going to find No, I, I think they didn't like them because of idol worship and the worship idol of false worship. gods. In fact, they had a store. That, we have a store today in San Antonio where you can buy idols. Really? Yes, huh? It's called idolatry. Idolatry. <laughs> oh. Okay, anybody working nah. in idolatry or owner, do not call me. Yeah. It's a joke. It's yeah, a and, 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 and although my name is Dollar, don't associate yeah, so me in any way with yes, that particular story. So, yeah, but I was joking, you don't buy adults. Oh, we know you are. So anyway, but yeah, but see, they even burned their kids. They did human sacrifice. So the issue is not that they're a mixed race. The issue is, and there's nowhere in the Bible that says that, it's about these religious practices they had, these foreigners. Wow. So, so and, these and, new residents worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests to offer sacrifices at their places of worship. And so really they just compromised. They compromised the... Well, they didn't have any choice. They were a conquered people. Uh-huh. And they had moved out all the, the Jews. They put them over to, that's why Ch- line Ch- your question four is so important, because they moved them over to what we call Samaria and moved the Samaritans over there to Israel. And the, and the Samaritans brought in their child sacrifice and that stuff, and the remaining Jews didn't like it. Wow. Had nothing to do with mixed race. But it does, it, it, it creates in our minds the right atmosphere, the right understanding and it kind of, uh, in my mind, it makes me see Jesus uh, teaching. Remember the 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 um, the, yes, Samar- the, 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 uh, uh, the good Samaritan and John chapter four. How's that? Some uh, of, yes, some of his other stories about Samaritans uh, and so sure, on. Sure, sure, it sure. shed some light on those. Uh, because he had quite a ministry, actually. At one occasion, remember the Samaritan woman, I the do. woman at the John well, chapter four, yeah. and there was a whole yeah. village that evidently came uh-huh. to faith. They uh-huh. recognized. Uh-huh. So it does paint. It does put a whole different light on the kind of person and the kind of ministry that Jesus carried out. Well, I, uh, I don't think anybody degree. disputes that he had open doors for everybody. I don't think anybody disputes that. I think the issue is, and you're so right. But he didn't compromise, I'm guessing. Well, he didn't compromise, that's true. But he also, uh, it it is pervasive. And I've often wondered where that, if I may call it mythology, comes from, because there's nowhere in the Bible that says that. Maybe Harold has an idea. Harold is on the line. He may. Oh, he may have a different kind of comment about Uh, some of these passages. Or he may. Let's bring him online. Hello, Harold. How are you this evening? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not. I'm not by myself. I've got all my genders with me. Oh, you are uh, 26. <laughs> or, uh, I hope so. 50, hope so, 56 you know. genders. Wow, wow. 56 wow. genders. Yeah. No, you know. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, when they talk about that on, on uh, you know, like in a church or something, I mean, people can preach from the Bible if they want. What you know, the God's laws and God, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the whole, the whole thing. But I, but I think it'd be better for that preacher, not that he has someone in that family to he, that he can relate to, but I think it's they would have a better understanding um, if they had a close friend or someone in the family so they would know how to approach it instead of just, say, hellfire and damnation without any 
concern it or consideration for the family. It does seem to make a difference, right? It makes a difference in the way we treat people if we have a connection and contact. That always when you have a helps, connection, I'm I'm telling you, God will show up and straighten everybody out. That's <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But anyway, I don't. Uh, yeah, I had a uh, we just ate a Whataburger tonight. I had wrote my notes on it napkin and i ended up using it on my nose but well why did so, you have uh, to mention yeah. a waterburger at supper time i haven't had supper yet and uh, you just, oh my you just made God, my mouth those, water you know what there's not a bad time of day to have one <laughs> there, there is not i've had them at ten thirty in the morning before. we are we're, we're doing uh promotional work for waterburgers tonight so. oh yeah 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 and then remember you're gonna have it your own way harold i got Harold, I got to tell you that since you're talking about that, actually, when I was a kid, I remember there were three or four of us talking, and one kid said, "You know, my dad's a doctor." The other one said, "My dad's a lawyer." The other one said, uh, "You know, my dad's a bus driver." And then the other one says, "Well, my dad's a rabbi, and he owns hell." And we all looked at him and said, "What do you mean your dad owns hell?" And he said, "Well, my dad said that last night the board of directors gave it to him." <laughs> <laughs> that, Excuse me, that's I get a, you. I get that's, you. That's, not, that's, well, a, that's a rabbi joke. That's oh, really yeah. good. That's right. Yeah. yeah that's good. probably why I didn't get it. But, oh, you were talking about the Samaritans, too, also. Okay. I've also heard that also, you know, where the, the, that, you know, the Jews uh, hated the Samaritans. I mean, it's stressed. That's not me saying. I'm trying to stress the way I right, hear it. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and. And the way it's said, and I've been taught was when, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, or if I'm close, say good, but uh, when the lady comes to the well and Jesus has, she has says, uh, you know, I should be serving you, or, you know, you can't drink from this cup, it's because she knew that he was supposed to keep kosher. And I think I'm on the lines of, you know, drinking from the right cup, you know, not being able to touch certain uh, objects or garments, and uh, huh. I'm sure there's a whole lot more to it. That's an and interesting think, uh, approach. You're talking about the woman, at the, the yeah, Samaritan actually, woman at the well. Actually, Soapy, uh, Harold's 100% right. I've never understood that because the way it is in the English Bibles, it's, uh, the Samaritan woman says to Jesus, why are you asking me for a drink? I'm doing this from off the top uh-huh. of my head. Uh, because you Jews have no doings with us. Uh-huh. That's not what it says. Harold's right. When you actually look at the Greek, it says, why are you asking me for a drink? You, you don't drink out of our cups kosher and so harold's 100 percent right but i've always wondered why do they change it that you have no doings with us yeah well harold learned that also you know i you know like i said i i have this urge to say you know i've learned it somewhere else i didn't just come up with my own idea theory although i do try to come up with my own original ideas in the tourist uh studies there and I get some, you know, some strange looks like, where did you get that from? <laughs> Which it feels real good to get those, you know. Yeah, yeah. I asked, I asked the rabbi a few weeks ago, what kind of tree was it? She goes, hell, it was an oak tree, okay? I said, at least she understands me. I really want to know. And we don't, maybe don't know, you know. And, <laughs> did she um, say it was an oak tree? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, it was an oak tree because by the time she, you know, by the time I keep asking questions, it's going to go on to the, you know, the whole afternoon. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of looked to the left of me and I made a little joke. I said, this guy here probably even knows where Adam is buried. And he says, oh, I do, I do, you know. And, you know, but I leave that alone. I think Jacob knows as well. Yeah, he might be, you know. But it's, you know, anyway, uh, 
I, I wanted to say one more thing before I go. Uh, a few weeks ago when I called in, Ruben had his grandson that had that open-heart surgery, and I talked to him last Friday on the phone at work, and uh, he had I had mentioned to him, uh, he tried to talk about work, but I knew, I you know, I know what's on his mind, his, you know, his personal life, like all of us are on our mind. Uh-huh. And I said, you know, I did mention your grandson, on the Bible Live show, and they held your name up in prayer, and he just said, thank you very much. Tell those people, whoever they are, to uh, say thank you very much. He's still in the hospital, but he's doing well, oh, and everybody's praying for him. Glad to so, know. Uh-huh. So I want to thank you also. You know, we ask, we ask, and we ask, and we ask God, and we do have to say thank you when, when you know, when you get that chance. So I'll let word. you guys go, okay? Thank you, brother. Good word tonight. That's uh, We do need to remember to say thank you for sure. Uh, I tell you, there's a lot of folks uh, hurting these days, Jacob. I, I, among our volunteers at Lackland, we've had a couple of our volunteers, that, uh, one whose son went into the hospital, another whose wife had a stroke. Then we've, I mean, it seems like all around us there are people in need, and uh, it reminds us continually of the need to pray for others, uh, to lift them up to the Father, and, and, and ask God to work on their behalf to bring healing and so on. Uh, not only illnesses and so on, but difficulties in work and in our jobs and finances and relationships. We need to be praying, continually praying. Men ought always to pray, we're told in the Scriptures, and, uh, and uh, because God answers. I like that verse where David says, I call out to the Lord because he answers me. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always thought, well, that's a great way. If I, if you know God answers and he's there attending to us and answers, well, then it's far greater uh, motivation to pray because the God of the universe is listening to you. Come on, folks. Let's get into, let's get it. Let's pray and pray and pray. I guess well, we're getting all these promotions of, of the National Day had, of Prayer if there. Had, if they had cell phones, I guess they'd probably tweet, huh? The tweet. tweet uh, actually, I, I did Lord. hear that uh, Donald Trump tweets others the way he wants to be tweeted. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's a that's a modern version of the golden rule, right? Uh, tweet right. others the way you want to be tweeted. Uh, very good. Well, now let's get back to the book of Second Kings. Here, you're talking about the Samaritans, okay? Uh, primarily, it was a. They were of mixed race, mixed ethnicity, because what the uh, Ninevites would do, what the uh, Samaritan, the, the, the Assyrians would do, is they would they would not only take out the people from their given uh, homeland, but they would put other people in there. And what they had done is they put other people, they transported other people to. Um, would you call it Samaria or well, at this point? they called it Samaria. The, it was Israel. The area of the northern Samaria. tribes of Israel. And, of course, they bring their customs, their language, and their religions. And then what motivated the, what motivated the, the Assyrian king to send a Levite? Are, are they saying that it seems like the crops went bad, didn't they, or something? And well, they were, uh, as I recall, there was a lot of animals. Oh and, yes, that's and right. They were hurting a lot of people, and they had the concept of the Assyrians, uh, uh-huh. the king of Assyria. That each area had its, its god. own god. Each piece of land had its own god. Yeah. So they said, "Well, we got to show the, uh, the people that live there that we transported there, the Samaritans, how to worship the god of that piece of land." And that's why it's uh, that's why it says in. Uh, uh, verse 28, 28. It 28? says, he, uh, they said they brought a Levi, uh, they brought him back, and he taught them how to worship God. 
So he How was, would you like to have been that particular Levite? That would be quite an opportunity for him and, to. And uh, what is the word syncretism? Uh-huh. And so what you got is you've got they're doing that, but they're also doing it with all these other gods. Mm-hmm. Keep. In fact, uh, some of these gods, when you know who they are that you read, and you did a great job, uh, they they are uh, very strange gods. Like the one god you read required burning of your sons. Yes. Uh, the other one, that first one you read, Sukkoth Benoth, uh, that is actually uh, the consort you might say the consort, the girlfriend on the side, uh, what they call, I guess it's called a Movida, uh-huh. uh, is a, is the, uh, of a Marduk, the Babylonian the god. The Babylonian god, so yes. The, so all these gods are there. So the Jews are not liking it very much because they think it's supposed to be just for the god of Israel. So the Assyrian king, they're having these problems with wild animals right. because the land had been abandoned, for uh, left fallow and abandoned for some time. And so wild animals, uh, wild hogs and lions or whatever, were attacking people. And so they tried to appease the god of that land. Right. So they sent a Levite back to teach them. So, that, was, that would be an interesting assignment to go back and uh, in a sense evangelize or I guess or share the right the truth about the true and living God and how to worship uh, uh, Jehovah and so on and, and yet they took it but then they they just mixed it in right kind of with their own they different did. in fact uh, the other translation that I've got here says uh, that they yeah all people worship their own gods and place their gods in the temple of altars uh, in Samaria with the God of Abraham. Of Abraham, Isaac, so and Jacob. So it's interesting. Yeah. So see, they were just mixing it all together. So in that over time, that's what created the atmosphere in which Je- in the time of Jesus. That, yes. uh, and so, the, what, but what you're telling us is that there was not this blanket hatred. No. Uh, the the uh, there was some issue evidently between them, but it wasn't uh, like a an ethnicity. It wasn't a racial hatred. Well, there was there was a uh, worship of of idols, worship of false gods, and so that was a a little bit of a danger sign. And that, that's uh, a sticking point. Yeah, uh, it wasn't really racial. Even David, remember, he liked Bathsheba, uh-huh. and that he and her husband was one of the top thirty guys that worked with David. Right, he was a Hittite, and he was a Hittite. So that was his nationality, uh-huh. but he had given up that pagan religion and believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he was allowed to be one of the top thirty guys with David. Yeah. Well, if you look at that list of the the thirty, where does that come? Is it in? Uh, well, we just. It came at the end of First Kings, I yes, think. Uh-huh. The the list of the of the uh, sure. thirty mighty uh, warriors, warriors that uh-huh. that worked with and, and served David right. and followed him. Uh, they are many different nationalities, right. so but all of them had that so, in common yeah, that they so had begun to follow God. It wasn't the race that was important. It was you might say the religion. Mm-hmm. All right, and and um, and of course. I love that story about Jesus and that Samaritan woman. It's remarkable to me because she had everything, everything going against her in a sense. Uh, Evidently, many people say that she was most likely uh, a loose woman, that she was because she she was at midday getting water when the women usually went in the cool of the morning or the evening. Well, you know, I have to say when I first read that story Uh and I read it as an adult, I said, 
I was picky when I could be wrong. Uh-huh. I don't mean anything improper here, but I sure got the strange feeling when I read it because she says, Hey, you, Jesus, a Jew. Nobody's around, and why is a Jew like you asking me for a drink? Yeah. That seems like you're trying to pick me up, oh boy. There could have been, yeah, I, I've always thought there could have been something going on there, but of course. Uh, but Je- the, Jesus sobers it up and yeah. keeps it right online. And, and, and we, and we, uh, the conversation there about the, it's revealing about uh, the way she viewed herself and the way she viewed her people, the Samaritan people, and their beliefs, and and they 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 did, they did look with expectation to the Messiah, right? They, she said, "You Jews." Well, that's because that's exactly comes, what's here is that they were combining all these different aspects of religion. So, sure, they did that. They also did the other. Everybody, they had every religion. Yeah. They were sort of universally. When Messiah comes, he's going to teach us the right, and so on and so on. And Jesus says, uh, the one who I I am, in other words, I am the Messiah, the one who is speaking to you. And what's interesting is, Mm -hmm. that's chapter Uh 4. But in chapter 3, because really it's not 3 and 4. What Uh you've got is you've got the woman at the well, which you might say is the bottom of society. Okay. Okay. And in chapter 3, just before, you've got Nicodemus coming to talk to Jesus. Chapter 3, yeah. And that's at the top of society. And Nicodemus, probably, I don't think from reading what I'm reading, that he was Jewish. Because it's, uh, Jesus says the Nicodemus. Well, it's a Greek name, actually. It's a Greek Nicodemus. name. And I researched the name to see exactly what does it mean. He's either a Jew with a Greek name or he's a Greek. Uh, but Jesus says the most interesting thing to Nicodemus. He says, well, Nicodemus says, how can man be born again? Well, that, from a Jewish point of view, that's not an unknown kind of thing. Really? That's, that's oh, yeah. a so, so fairly the, common concept. Yeah, and so I thought when I first read that, I thought, why would this guy be saying that? Is he to, he's supposed to be, and it says he's a ruler. Well, he's a ruler because he's in charge. Uh-huh. He's a and, member of the Sanhedrin. Sure. And then Jesus says the most unusual thing. He says, "We know of what we speak, but you don't know." <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay. It seems like Jesus is making some distinction between the we and you. Yeah. Now we go over to the woman at the well. And two verses after she says, "What do you want something to do with me, etc., cetera, etc.?" Cetera, he says, "We Jews," he actually uses the word Jews. Uh-huh. "We Jews know of what we speak." But you do not know. So he's t- dealing with the top of society, you might say, and the bottom. I don't think either one are Jews. The and up and yet, outers and the down and outers, yeah, I guess. So he's got. So he's inclusive for sure. And it does seem to me that he's teaching the idea of the God of Abraham. Yeah. Sure, sure, exactly. And then, of course, she takes that message back to her village and tells them, hey, this man told me all about myself. And so they invite Jesus in for a few days of revival meetings and uh evidently he has quite an impact on that particular village uh the little village up in in the um region of samaria uh very very interesting story but it all has its start it all has its start right here in the books of second kings uh with the the ruler of Assyria. Now, we got to remember the capital of Assyria is Nineveh. And, of course, we remember Nineveh because that's where our good friend uh, Jonah, uh, as a prophet, was called to go up and preach to, to them. 
uh, to Nineveh and led a, a great revival. It was one of the great eight great revivals mentioned in Scripture. This this huge city, the capital city of Assyria, evidently there was um, a a movement of repentance and and turning to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Evidently, Nineveh experienced a spiritual awakening. Uh, from the king down to the um, lowest people under the just under this well, preaching not, of Jonah, the Jews read the same Bible that the Christians do, uh-huh. so they know any way around this because that is they made a covenant. Uh-huh. So you breach the covenant, things do not go well. You you can return to the covenant by repentance and then do the covenant. So they're reading the same Bible. You know, the Jews have T-shirts that says, you've been there, done that. <laughs> and so they've got the same Bible. And they say, well, you know, if I read this over, I get it. Don't believe in other gods. Don't practice their religion. Uh, and then things are going to go okay. So what happens is, as these revivals you're talking about, it's always when bad things have happened. It happens whether it's Gideon or the book of Judges. Mm -hmm. Always when they hit rock bottom, they return to God. Yeah, God whispers to us in our pleasure and he yells to us in our pain. And so, therefore, we we tend to... Go as far as we can go, and then we get a little enough rope to hang ourselves, and then God comes through and saves us. But uh, the the point is, is that Jonah led just uh, what was it about forty years before this time? Uh, Jonah led the people of Nineveh in a great spiritual awakening, and they turned back. They turned to God, and then just these few years later, in seven twenty two B.C., uh, Assyria does indeed um, attack. Israel, the northern tribes, and take them captive, um, marching them off into other lands and, and bringing about this situation with the uh, Samaritan land. Well, there's our there's our wake-up call for the end of our second segment. Uh, we'd, if you'd like to join us in talking a little bit about this time in history when uh, the ten northern tribes are taken into uh, exile, are taken out of their land, and the judgment of God falls on the northern tribes of Israel. 340-9585, that's our phone number. If you'd like to join us for our final segment, we'll be right back. To the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Again, that theme, You Are Everything That I Need. I guess we've gotten both of those songs in tonight. Glad to have you here, folks, with us. And I have just hit the right button there to stop the outro, and we'll go ahead for another segment here this evening. Uh, our final segment on here on the Bible Live, we're talking about the book of Second Kings. This is coming at the end of the time of the um, 
Israel, the ten northern tribes, they are finally uh, they are judged by the Lord. They are taken captive by the king of Assyria, marched out of the land. And, of course, this gives rise, as we've talked about, to the whole phenomenon of the Samaritan people uh, after after the... Ten northern tribes are taken out of the land. Others are brought in from uh, that worship other gods and follow other gods from other nations. And then uh, that creates a situation in, in Samaria uh, of uh, uh, spiritual compromise. They're no longer following uh, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But uh, although they have information, there's a part of it that kind of mix it in with the uh, worship of these other gods. And I think we, it would be good, Jacob, to get a, a little bit of a sense. I, one of our questions says, that it talks about this king called Manasseh, and Manasseh was a king of Judah in the he south. He was. He was the son of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, right? Yes. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes the godliest of kings and and their sons would turn right around and be, you know, just so, uh, totally uh, reprobate. You know, a wicked, evil person. And I think the reason those stories are in the Bible is because you'll have right at the beginning one of Cain's sons is a good guy. Uh-huh. And then you have some of these good guys have kids that are bad guys. I think I think it's meant to teach that, look, it's everybody individually. They're, you can be good or bad, and it's not based on uh, genealogy or genetics because that's why there always had to be you could be a good guy or a bad guy if you're not careful and you only have the idea that somebody has to be the always perfect. There is a rule in Judaism, believe it or not, that you uh, cannot be a, like a ruler like David unless you have blemishes in your background because they don't want somebody to be just so perfect that he is always perfect yeah. and he can say, well, everybody might So that's why David did all those bad things, right? Well, we look at the genealogy and we'll see uh, yeah. his genealogy is, uh, is uh, several yeah. bad guys, several people that had ill-reputed reputations and different things. So he has blemishes. So he can never say to somebody, I am great and everybody in my family is always great because they would immediately say, in fact, in some of the writings in the Jewish world, in the Talmud, etc., it'll talk about uh, the, if David ever got too proud of himself, people would say to him, oh, yeah, look at your ancestors. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Well, let's take this fellow Manasseh. Now, Hezekiah... Uh, this is very interesting. Yeah, Hezekiah was... A godly king, he tried to bring the people back to worship uh, the true and living God. In fact, his son was Jehoram or Jotham, I'm not sure which, but he he tried to marry, his. He, I think he successfully married his son to Athaliah, to the, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, mm-hmm. and thinking that was going to be a way to bring a... To, bring unity and togetherness with Israel, sure. and it, what it turns out is nearly destroying the yeah. the Davidic lineage in the south and destroying Judah. Uh, it, it is so when you get into the in, into the details of these the political moves of the, the, these different people have, and although Hezekiah was a good man, a godly man who loved God, he, th- he kind of went overboard in his attempt to appease uh, to pacify Ahab and Jezebel and to bring about their their unity. And uh, his son, Manasseh, turns out to be 
uh, one of the most wicked, I guess, of the kings of uh, Judah. He led the people into witchcraft, idolatry, worshiping false gods. Uh, he even burned his own son. Exactly. We read just a few minutes ago in 17 of how these uh, Samaritans brought their religion down and what it was about burning your child, your, your boy child, and uh, sacrificing a human child. And if you have your Bible, why don't you read this 21.6? Actually, uh, the question is, in 22, is Manasseh, Hezekiah's uh-huh. son, was extremely wicked, leading the people into witchcraft, idolatry, worshiping false gods. What did he do to his own son? And your answer is in 21.6. It says, Manasseh also sacrificed his own son in the fire, uh, or, or also made his son pass through the fire. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He practiced sorcery and divination, divination, and yeah, the, um, um, kind of uh, what do you call it? Superstitious, something uh-huh. like horoscopes or whatever. Divination, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing God's anger. Now, okay, let's put that in context. He even made a carved image of Asherah and set it up in the temple, the very place where the Lord had told David and his Solomon, my name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem and sure. so on. So, he was yeah. doing exactly what we read earlier. The Samaritans brought down and did syncretism. And he's doing exactly that, right in the temple of God, all this other stuff. But let's go back and look at 6, because we can tie this into what you and I talked about during the break. Uh-huh. Look, and I'm good, let me kind of fill in here with my translation, okay? Okay. Uh, 6, and he passed his son through the fire, sacrificed in the fire, and he practiced soothsaying, divination, consulted ghosts, and spirits. What is that telling us? Remember what we talked about during the break? What would they do after they killed their child? They would take his head. Take his head, and they'd put the name of that god on the in the mouth of the head of the baby, because the baby had recently been come from what they considered the other side. Everybody had a concept of life uh, other than or physical. spiritual dimension. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they knew before and after, even the Egyptians. So everybody knew about that. But th- what it's telling us, he did soothsaying, divination. Din- uh, consulted ghosts and spirits. What this is, is a form we would call in our world ventriloquism. Uh-huh. So, uh, they would take the name of their God they wanted to consult from this little baby, put it on, in the mouth of the baby, seal the baby in some type of tar, asshole, something to preserve the head, and then they'd be able to talk to the baby who had recently come from the other side, the other side, and they could, that baby when it goes back to express the words to the other side because it was closest to the other side, it would it would go to the god whose name was on that child's tongue. So that's what it's telling. So us. it wasn't simply a matter of appeasing these gods. That was a part of it, but part then this part was connecting. Oh. To the other side or to the God through right. the child who recently came and from the other. That was, mm. Exactly. And look what it says. And I don't know what your version is, but it says, soothsaying, uh, div- divination. Soothsaying, what's that? They can actually find out what's going to happen, or they think they can, uh-huh. what the future holds. Oh, they can see everything. So exactly what it's talking about, he killed his son, and he's using his son to do 
this contact with the other side. Now, in Hebrew, the name of that is called... And this is, this is a religion. This isn't... Uh, I mean, that was a religious practice. A religion, sure. Wow. And I hate to say it, but in today's world, there are other religions that believe if you kill yourself, you get 70 members of your family into heaven. Also, another form of child sacrifice. So if a child kills themselves, they get yeah. maybe 70 virgins. And 70 it's people. universally uh, condemned. I, I, but but there are still those who have that idea that I will put a bomb on the back of this seven-year-old, right, and, and he'll kill, and he'll and really, go to heaven. And, and it's really yeah. child sacrifice, just in a more. It really is, mm, but a, and in a brutal, uh, deadly so what he's way. Doing yeah. is he's actually talking when it says he killed his son through the fire. He took his head, and he's doing the soothsaying and divination, divination, and consulted ghosts. And spirit. So he's actually doing his telling in one sentence. So he did the death, and now he first he has to do the death, and then he's doing this contacting the other side is what it's telling us. Now in Hebrew, the word for that is teraphim. Oh, and that's a small idol that Rachel. Hey, you got to When Rachel left. Uh, yeah. Laban, right. when she went they to Mary, uh-huh. she took away uh-huh. those small yes. gods. Very good. The small sir. heads. That's of, right. Wow. And, and they translate in the English Bible, household god. Well, it's not household god, it's a teraphim. And the reason Rachel took it was because it really was the head of her deceased brother. Oh, my land. Yeah, so see, there's a lot more going on here. And then, it's messier than we think, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we, what we do is we fail to catch it. She's actually rescuing so she can bury the head of her dead brother. And that, But the word is teraphim. And so when you go down, you'll find the word teraphim through the Hebrew scriptures over and over in, in the Tanakh, the Old Testament. You'll have it. You'll find that even in Ezekiel, it makes a reference to it. And it says, those who consult the teraphim for soothsaying and divination, they are told lies, and they believe the lies, and they make their lives on things that do not exist. What it is, actually says that in Ezekiel. Yeah, when it says teraphim, I know that theme makes it plural, yeah. I think. What yeah. is tera, What is that referring to, a teraphim? Well, uh, little God or little... Uh, basically, the way they translate it in English or, is household God, how, because okay. they usually keep it in a cabinet in their house. I see. And so they'd be able to consult with it. And, and, of course, this has been a religion. In fact, I'll tell you another example that you know. Because you're right. It's Rachel all over the place. Uh-huh. But here's the other one. Do you remember when David uh, was going to be killed by King Saul? Yes. Uh-huh. And, he, and he said, he told Abigail, I believe her name was, tell you, Dad, I'm very sick and I can't go. And so, but so she covers it up and puts a head where his head ought to be, that head is a teraphim. Oh. So, and they come in, they pull the blanket down and say, oh, he's, he's gone, you're hiding him. And, of course, David escapes. But actually, in the Hebrew, it says teraphim. So she took, she had a household god, too. So she put it there, covered it up like a body, and put the head there, so they thought it would be look like David's head. Even our dear friend Abigail. Yeah. I like uh, Abigail. Yeah. I, uh, but well, you know, people make boo-boos. You know. And they make mistakes, yeah. But isn't that fascinating? And it that, is. And that kind of thing goes on over and over and over. Well, even even into the time uh, even into the time of Jesus, I think uh, that has something to do with the reason they cut off the head of John the Baptist. It wasn't just that... It was not lasciviousness. It, it just wasn't... 
you know, we just want to cut off his head. They were, he was a prophet. He was a, a seer. They, well, it could either be the child, the firstborn child, recently born, or the head of a holy man. And exactly when uh, Salome, uh-huh. when she wanted, when she danced lasciviously for her stepfather, uh-huh. uh, you know, he got all twitterpated. Was that, was that got, Herod? Herod. Okay. He got twitterpated. Uh-huh. That I borrowed that from the movie Bambi. Uh-huh. And when he got to Twitter page, he said, oh, I'll give you anything you want. So she says, of all aces up to half. She consults can, with her mother. She consults them, and they said, I want John the Baptist's head. Now, why? Because the way they would keep the head, and the clue is in, in the book, in the Gospels. And what they do is they took the head, and they would put in that mouth of uh, the name and they cake it in some kind of preservative tar, asphalt, something and they always placed it on a, a silver, silver or gold platter, platter. Mm-hmm. now when I first read that I said well I know what they're doing and the Edomites, and Herod is a Esau, he's an Edomite he, that was part of their religion so this is not uncommon. They knew that. So what they were wanting is the reason it was so important is not of all the things she could have had. We're not talking about why Herod wanted to do it. He got twitterpated. But what happened is they wanted that so they can consult the other side. That's what that story is about. I'll be. Hmm. Well, there's always, it seems like, another layer of the onion to peel off and to get a little peek at. But we, we see, and of course, when I was looking at this passage while I go, what was that passage you had me read? Um, at the end of that, it said Manasseh led the people of Judah, Manasseh led them to do even more evil things than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. Yeah. And that that is so interesting to me that, you know, uh, God had given them this land. He, he had announced even uh, even decades, many years before, to uh, uh, it was to Abraham. He had said, four hundred your good people are going to be in in a foreign land for four hundred years." That talks about Egypt, and then it says, "Then the cup of judgment will be full for the people of Canaan." And and I will I will judge them and destroy them and I will give you that this land, and, and so that happened and now here we have the people of Israel have come to that same point where they are now going to be judged, uh, the the northern tribes the judge taken off into exile into Assyria, and in and in five eighty six B C coming coming up very soon now we'll see uh, Nebuchadnezzar going to come over and remove the people of of. Uh, of Israel, of, of Judah, mm-hmm. and take them. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, and taking them. We'll, we'll read about then the, the exile, the seventy years of exile uh, into Babylon, and then, of course, restoring them back to the land. It it all fits together, and that's I guess what I'm trying to do here now is connect what's happening in the kings here with this particular time of history. They are being warned at this time. I believe it's uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah. There's a series of prophets that are warning the people over and over, don't go there, don't do that, repent, turn to God. And they have little little moments of repentance. And this is an important factor. The only reason in our Bible, and the Christians and the Jews share the Bible, Uh um, so... The only reason we have Isaiah, Jeremiah, and some of those is because all those prophecies have not 100% been fulfilled. There are other prophets that the Jews have. 
But those things are all fulfilled, so they don't have to be there, so you don't have to read it and know that something else is coming. The reason those books are still there is because something else is yet to come. Even now yet to come or yes, yet to come even, in that time? Even now yet to come. In fact, in Jeremiah, at the end of Jeremiah, almost nobody's picking up on this except, you know, real Jeremiah scholars. Uh-huh. And But there's another prophecy that's actually set up that's going to happen. Everybody just reads the book of Jeremiah like it's the book of Jeremiah. But uh-huh. there's another thing coming. Well, it is the book of Jeremiah, but what is another thing coming? Oh, when we get to <laughs> I Jeremiah. I can't help Okay, we'll wait till we get to the book of Jeremiah. Okay, I'm always wanting to look ahead, aren't I? But we have these you kings. Don't cut off your head to do that. No, 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 no. They <laughs> Very good. Um, but they had these kings, the ups and downs of, of uh, Israel, the ups and downs of Judah. Uh, back and forward, there was this continual battle for the heart and soul of this nation. And uh, these prophets, and there were godly kings, Josiah, the child king. You know, I've always thought Josiah was one. Uh, I really, I felt so. Josiah is a real hero of mine because he read the scriptures. They discovered he was only eight years old when they put him on the uh, throne. And then uh, uh, then, and he, he was a child of Manasseh, right? He came after Manasseh? He did. And Isn't that interesting? And he's in chapter 22. But he took his instructions. I guess he didn't take Manasseh as his idol and his no. uh, mentor. He no. evidently took his grandfather, Hezekiah. But Josiah led the people. He was eight years old when he was put on the throne. And then he was a teenager. They were repairing the temple, bringing it back. And they discovered the laws of God, the book of Deuteronomy, evidently. And he read it and he wept. And he tore his clothes. We're not doing these things, the laws of God. And he had the laws of God read to his people, uh, to the people. And as he was supposed to do as the king, as you've mentioned this to us several times, he had the law. Of God, he read the law and taught the law to the people. And he this sparked this 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 revival of sorts in the nation uh, across the land. Not universal. Not everybody became uh, uh, repented and got right with God, but a great number did. Mm-hmm. And then he. It, if he didn't go out and get himself killed. I mean, yeah. I, I always felt bad that he got killed in the Battle of Karchemish and the build-up to that battle, this famous battle. Uh, he Now, the thing is... Yeah, the king of <laughs> Egypt was coming up to battle against Nebuchadnezzar in, in the famous Battle of Karchemish. And as the king of Israel was going up, I mean, the king of Egypt was going north. Josiah took their troops out. Evidently, he was in a little bit of cahoots uh, trying to be on the right side of Nebuchadnezzar uh, in Babylon. And he went out and attacked, and he was killed in that battle. Uh, it is true. And wow. it's chapter 22, verse 11 uh-huh. is the verse you're talking about. 22:11. They got the Torah scroll. They read it. And he ripped his clothes. Uh-huh. Now. Uh, it gets a little complicated, but they, they're able to determine from the Hebrew what part, part of the Torah caused him to rip his clothes. Would you be interested in that? I certainly would. That would be a very interesting it was, detail. Deuteronomy chapter 28. That's why my ears perked up when you said, I think it was the book of Deuteronomy. I, I, that's why I sat up at attention. I thought, very good, Soapy. It was Deuteronomy 23, huh? Uh, 28. 36. 28, 30, that was the portion he read. Yes, now they're able to determine from that place we're reading, you know, back to the Hebrew uh-huh, language, uh-huh. they're able to determine when they read the Torah scroll, what caused him to react. 28, 28 uh, 36. 
36 says, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the Lord will exile you and your king to a nation unknown to you and your ancestors. There in exile you will worship gods of wood and stone. You will become an object of horror, ridicule, and mockery among all the nations to which the Lord sends you. Now, let's slow that down. So see, now you understand why he's upset, because they're able to determine when he opened up the scroll, when he heard it, uh, from, from the numbers of the letters. They're able to determine what it was. And it's saying you'll worship gods of wood and stone. Now, in the Hebrew, when it's using nouns like that, wood and stone, that's telling us something. Stone means foreign gods that people have known about for a long time because they're made out of stone. Wooden gods are recently discovered gods. New gods. New gods. Wow. And they're carved out of wood. So they're much easier to decay because they're new. So you're going to worship whole gods, but you're going to be taken away by a nation you don't know. That's So that puts us in context of what he's understanding. It's so Josiah happen. is responding to right. that and saying, we're not keeping God's laws. And, and so, wow. And it led him uh, to repent himself, and it led him to try to influence the people, mm-hmm. read Deuteronomy to the people, as you said the king was always charged to do. Every seven years, the king had to read the book of Deuteronomy to the entire nation. And Teach so, Torah. Yeah, yep. that, that was the idea. And, wow. and I would like to add that contrary to, unfortunately, some misstatements, mis, uh, <laughs> uh, the the Torah, the laws of God, was never, ever, ever meant to get you to heaven. It was how to live in this world. It's only about this world, not getting to heaven, not salvation, no afterlife. It's how God wants you to act in this world. That's all it was. In fact, and I'm sure you've heard that before. This is the way God's people are to behave, yeah. the way we're to treat each other, the way right. to treat others. Uh, God's people are to be different and distinct and to live godly, holy lives. Yeah, it's funny because I've heard that said about, you know, in certain Christian <clears throat> places, you'll hear it. And I always think, well, I've never met a Jew that thought that. But I did hear of a guy that had a friend who had, who had a cousin. And the cousin's best friend lived next door to a guy in New Jersey that actually had communicated with a guy in New Zealand. And I think the guy that lived next door to him may have thought that. That you can get to heaven yeah. by keeping the yeah, commands, by keeping but the laws of God. that's how attenuated it is. Yeah, okay. Well, we have used up our time, so if, if we are, I haven't heard our music come up yet, but that's good. We're a little bit, we, we've covered a lot of territory tonight from the book of Second Kings. Uh, some of the major events, there are lots of details in there that we didn't talk about, but we talked about the young King Josiah. This Manasseh character, his father, was actually one we talked about being so wicked. It is thought, it is believed, uh, uh, historians believe that he was the one who actually killed, was it Isaiah? Yeah. He he was the one that uh, had Isaiah, the prophet, killed. Uh, I think he had... The, what I understood is he he was hiding. He had fled for his life, and he was hiding in a log or something. In, and they cut it, in t- or either that or they put him in the log and cut it in half with him in the log. That was uh, a poor choice to hide in if he picked it. Yeah, it was <laughs> not a very good. They didn't teach him as a little boy where to really hide well. But then the, anyway, Manasseh is the one that is said to have killed the great prophet Isaiah, uh, who who was uh, who had had a great influence on his father, Hezekiah. Uh, we hadn't talked about this ruler, Sennacherib, from Assyria, the the king that came down and threatened um, 
you know, kept threatened the king uh, of uh, Hezekiah and the people of Israel. Yeah, this was an amazing time. Well, we also this past week got into our opening chapters of the book of Acts in the New Testament. We'll get into that next week for sure, uh, particularly as we approach the National Day of Prayer, because the oh, book of Acts is, is good. It opens with a prayer meeting. So, Soapy, yes. uh, can I tell everybody that they should always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent? I would like for you to tell the folks there, and we'd also like to tell you folks, thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you next Sunday, and don't forget the National Day of Prayer on May the 3rd. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.